Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back everyone. Today we invite you to join us on Steph's journey where she unraveled her fears, tapped into her innate wisdom and birthed a deep passion to serve other families on their unique journey. As Steph's first pregnancy unfolded, she grappled with the normal fears surrounding childbirth. However, deep within her, she held an instinctual trust that she had the ability to birth her baby naturally. She chose a low-risk hospital that offered the gentle care of midwives, an environment she felt perfectly attuned to her desired birth outcome. Through the transformative experience of that birth, she gained profound insight into the areas of her own life that required healing, unveiling her path to self-discovery. When Steph's firstborn was just eight months old, she unexpectedly discovered that she was carrying her next baby. Scans would uncover concerns that posed potential risks, jeopardizing her plans to give birth once again in the low-risk hospital. Undeterred, she dove deep into advocacy and self-education, arming herself with knowledge. Through her unwavering determination, she steered clear of the high-risk label that loomed, reclaiming her power and birthing choices. Today, we delve into Steph's experience with a postpartum hemorrhage and how her birthing journey ignited a passion within her to support and guide others on their own transformative journey. Enjoy the episode. Steph, welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to share my stories. Could you just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yep. So I live in Nambucca Heads, um, Australia, New South Wales. It's near Coffs Harbour. Um, And so my family is uh, my partner, my toddler, who is nearly two, and um, our youngest little Zavi, who is just four months. We have some close family around us, um, both of our parents. And um, that's about it. Most of our family is quite far away, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Whereabouts? Um, so uh, my partner's um, brother is in Sydney with his partner and their little bub, who's actually just a few weeks older or maybe <laughs> closer to two months older than Xavi. Um, and then the rest of our like extended family, like my grandparents um, and aunties are in the Blue Mountains as well. Um, but it's a small family which is kind of nice. (laughs) And were your pregnancies planned conceptions? So, yes, Charlotte's was. um, It was very fast, though. It was a a, we'd been talking about it for about a year um, and I was kind of like, okay, well, we'll we'll try now. Um, I was on birth control for a while and I went off it, um, which I'm very thankful that I did because it definitely left a lot of side effects and a lot of unravelling and... (laughs) And everything, but um, it was in the first month of okay. conception that we conceived Charlotte. Mm-hmm. In the time we were living in the Blue Mountains, um, and we moved back because we're both from the Yurunga area, which is right near Nambaka, and we moved back to be close to our families. And 
then Xavier was a little surprise. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> just a, yeah, just a little surprise. Just the dates got wrong by one day. But I think I feel very um, like. It was meant to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, at the start, it was definitely, it took a, a minute to process because Charlotte was eight months old. Uh, yeah it was a lot to process and she was like still is breastfeeding but at the time you know she was still like demand feeding and we co-sleep and all the things so there was a lot to kind of process and once I processed it we were like okay well this is obviously happening for a reason and then now he's here I definitely feel like this like this soul connection that I actually didn't get with Charlotte it's kind of like I know that your soul came for a reason mm. and he's so, he's so calming and he's definitely a lot more like I think relaxed mm-hmm. um which yeah I think sometimes just puts a calming energy in the house because Charlotte's very uh <laughs> opinionated very strong-willed like me which is oh, amazing but harder to navigate right on the parent yeah front? yeah it is it is it's really hard especially in this um she's just approaching too and it's you know, all of the big emotions and I find that navigating that sometimes can be overwhelming and having to take time to check in with myself. But, I mean, we get there in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And how was your pregnancy with her? Yeah, so it was a, uh, as they say, a textbook perfect pregnancy. Um, I had the three kind of normal scans that you have um, and everything was perfectly fine. I So I birthed um, at Maxfield Hospital, which is about 15 minutes away from us. And it's like a low-risk hospital. So it's with just the midwives. Um, and you're cleared through a doctor who will um, – but they're not there at the birth. It's a only midwife-centred. It's more of a birthing centre. Really. Okay. Yeah, cool. And um, so, yeah, the pregnancy, there was really no – hiccups it was just all very smooth um it was very I think personally in my I guess personality I'm a bit impatient so I think pregnancy for both of them I struggled with a bit with just um going through the ebbs and the flows and the the like the discomfort of when you get bigger and things like that Yeah. yeah it was um it was still I think very beautiful getting to connect with them and grow them and be in touch with them because intuitively I knew I think both times that these little souls were here to stay like I think even when I first found out we're pregnant with both of them I knew like they are stuck they are with me now like they're here they're ready and what was your perception of birth at that stage did you have any fear associated with it so I definitely had um an idea of like I actually um, watched my mum deliver my younger brother, so we have quite a big age gap. And um, I actually watched her deliver him, which was really special, but her birth was a little bit traumatic. Um, I guess maybe she doesn't perceive it that way, but um, from what I know now and the medical system and everything, um, I definitely would say it was traumatic. Um but I did know going into Charlotte's birth, I wanted it to be natural um, and I wanted, you know, like no epidural, no anything. I wanted to kind of have a water birth and all these things, but I definitely didn't have, um, like with Xavier's pregnancy, I spent the whole entire kind of pregnancy researching and doing like listening to podcasts and all the things. Um, whereas with Charlotte's, I think it was like, innate luck and intuition like I knew that it was going to be okay but I didn't know how to describe the feeling at the time of like when I was pregnant um and then going into the birth I yeah when I first had the contraction it was like okay like I know like this is what my body is meant to do like I just my body kind of took over yeah um which was really incredible yeah Amazing. And so with the hospital that you were birthing at, do you get continuity of care with the midwives? Um, I did with Xavier because with Charlotte, um, it was still kind of, it's, it was recently built. They had changed locations and it was um, kind of new still. Um, so it was not continuity of care with Charlotte, but because there's like six midwives there, you kind of knew them all anyhow. Yeah, okay. 
And what about books or resources, anything in particular that you found really helpful during your pregnancy to get educated? Yeah, I did. I read the Up, up the Duck one um, and I did like a little bit of like reading online. Um, my midwives were all quite like intuitive and spiritual, so they were really guiding through the process anyway. Um but, um, yeah, I pretty much kind of went in going like, um, I think it'll be okay. Like, I guess I didn't think to research about it with Charlotte's, um, Rose with Xavier. I was kind of like, okay, like there's so much here that even though it was a beautiful birth, there's so much more, you know, that I can do. Yeah. So should we go through her birth? So I was, um, I read my dates were pretty much spot on. And I was about a week overdue, um, and I in the it was about one in the morning. I had my first contraction, and I had I did have um, a stretch and sweep, which was definitely something at the time that I kind of thought was normal. But being that it was a low risk hospital, it's kind of like if you go over, I think it's forty two weeks, then you have to go to the main hospital. Um, in Coffs Harbour, which is about 50 minutes drive and it's very, like, medicalised, very different. Um, so I was kind of like, I don't I don't want that at all. Um, I'm, I'm going to fight <laughs> to have that where, like, at the Maxwell Hospital where it's so beautiful. Um, so luckily I went into labour, I think it was about a day and a half after the stretch and sweep. Um, I lost the bloody show. And I had some light contractions on the Friday morning, but I didn't really notice. So we just kind of went about our day. I was like, it was COVID time at the time as well. And we were in lockdown. So my partner was home, um, like off of work for a while, like because um, he couldn't work at the time. Um, and then we kind of just went about our day. And they actually called me that night, the hospital, saying that they'd booked in um, date to be induced at Coffs Harbour and I was kind of like oh my gosh starting to really stress out at that point um but um that night I yeah I went in to labour at about 1am and we just kind of went through the ebbs and flows of the morning so I kind of got up and laboured on my own for a few hours because I was kind of like well this has been happening for the last two weeks like lots of cramps lots of starting like and then stopping so I was like, it's, it could be nothing, but it, it, it definitely progressed quite fast. Um, so then at this point, about 3 a.m., I woke my partner up and we just kind of walked around the house, was kind of checking in, like, what do you need? Um, and then uh, just doing a bit of stretching. Um, I was on my, like, yoga ball thingy and just rolling on that. And then uh, we called the hospital about 8 in the morning. It was like, I think I'm in labour. So I, I went in and because uh, it wasn't continuity of care with Charlotte, I was really lucky that I actually got one of the midwives I'd really connected with and bonded with. And um, so I um, went in and she did a cervical exam um, and I was about uh, three centimetres dilated. She was like, look, you can stay if you want, but just go home and, you know, go for a walk. So in the car ride home, it had definitely ramped up. And oh, actually, when she did the cervical exam, she actually did an extra little sweep of the membranes, which was something that she didn't quite ask me. She kind of was just like, I'm just going to do it for you, which was definitely something I was really cautious of with Xavier's labor. And um, anyway, so I think that's why it really ramped up after leaving. And we got home and Jared had kind of fixed himself some food and I was not hungry at all. And um, we actually contacted our families, which <laughs> we, was a bit stressful. They were all trying to talk to me. Um, and so we went through that and it was about 1 p.m. that we, I was like, okay, it's really intense now. I want to get into the water and utilize the big space they have because it's just a very new suite. It's absolutely gorgeous. And um so we drove in because it's like 10 minutes. So we drove there and they filled up the bath and I had the shower and I was on the ball and there were, you know, the midwives and Jared were kind of like putting pressure on my hips and my back and 
you know, I just kind of went through and I labored throughout the afternoon. Um, and it was all just really progressive. Like it was very, there was nothing at all that was kind of like would make, like I didn't have to work hard. Like Charlotte just came down perfectly. Um, and it was like very in just intuitive. I think I've gone a lot of my life feeling, you know, scared to say no and standing up for myself. But like in the labor, I was um, able to say no to things that I didn't want or I didn't like, which I felt so empowered yeah. doing that. And it like opened up a whole pathway for me. Yeah. Um, yeah just like a whole healing journey within myself, mm. which has been really magical. Um, so yeah, I, I just went through and I labored, um, all into about, about four o'clock, the midwife, uh, who was there, the main midwife, she had to leave. And I was kind of like, I really started to get overwhelmed. I was like, no, like you can't leave me. Like I've connected with you. So I kind of was trying to start pushing to see if anything would happen, which, um, definitely wasn't ready yet and so she ended up having to leave and this new midwife came in who I actually hadn't met before but we um ended up bonding really well because she's very calm and beautiful and actually was the midwife that I got to have with Savia oh, nice. so that was really magical um it was almost like yeah it was all just kind of working how it was supposed to and um and then about I really hit transition probably about five and I went into that, you know, euphoric kind of transitional world that they, they speak about. I wasn't, I wasn't in this plane anymore. I was just so focused and in, in this like other world um, and just in, in myself, like you couldn't talk to me. I, I wouldn't answer they were trying to kind of ask me questions and Jared would answer for me. Like I just, there was nothing, <laughs> there was nothing coming out of my mouth. And then um, definitely started to get a lot of pressure, like that poo urge. So I was kind of, I was in the water at this point. I'd been in and out of the water pretty much since four o'clock, um, moving around and um, just kind of letting the water, I guess, like, relax my body which was so amazing because the contractions were very intense at that point like a lot of like back-to-back contractions um kind of like lasting for like three minutes with like 30 seconds rest and then going again and then kind of like Jared would hold a pillow for me and I would just like sleep on the side of the pool um and then about yeah it was probably about 6 30 p.m So that's, um, uh, yeah, about 6.30 p.m. I started to get, like, really, like, big urges. Um, So they were like, okay, well, if you feel like, you know, you're getting these urges, just listen to your body. And um, she started to, like, really come down and I really bared down and then she started to crown. And I'd read about the ring of fire, (laughs) but I'd, like, forgotten about it. And especially because I was in the water, it was something – I had to be so aware of to, you know, make sure I stayed in the water and not accidentally kind of lurch up. But I was definitely not expecting it. (laughs) I was so in my world, like I was so out of it that it was just a complete and utter shock. And I think it kind of brought me back to the normal world. Um, And then she, I just kind of gave a couple of big like pushes, but it was kind of more led by her. Um, And then her head was out. Um, and then slowly I pushed out like then her shoulders and then um, I because part of I wanted to deliver her was part of my plan and I they were kind of like okay she's out she's out you need to pull her up but I was kind of still so out of it that I didn't recognize I think um, it took took me a second and then I, I delivered her but her legs were still inside of me so I had to pull her out um, and then it was all a really kind of normal um like third stage um I can't actually remember if I got the needle that brings on the placenta the um I just I can't remember I don't I think I potentially did um kind of based off of you know what they told told me (laughs) I didn't do any research into it um and then the placenta was out 
within uh, about 10 minutes and then that massive oxytocin high. Yeah. Any tearing? Um, I did a little bit with Charlotte. It was um, second degree perineum and just a tiny bit of grazing on the right and left labia. Um, and I did get stitches, which was extremely uncomfortable. And yet again, something that I was kind of like upon further reflection, I was like, actually, it wasn't as severe. And when I was speaking to Jem, she was kind of like, oh, yeah, you probably didn't need the stitches because she was there um, for Charlotte's birth. And she was kind of like, yeah, I don't think it, like, it could have healed naturally. Oh, okay. But, um, you know, the learning process. Yeah, but still a beautiful birth. My gosh. Oh, it was. It was, it was absolutely amazing. I was on a euphoric high for like four months afterwards. Wow. Like it was the most amazing thing in the world. Like, yeah. and I, like, I was so, so because it was about 7 p.m., there was about 15 minutes pushing time. There was about, uh, yes, to 7 p.m. So by the time we went through the ebbs and flows of kind of going through, checking bubs and everything um I like I didn't sleep that night I was so like high on adrenaline <laughs> and because she latched straight away um pretty much yeah she just latched straight away and we had not many issues like sometimes it was a bit clicky but um like everything it was kind of like everything was just working and the oxytocin was just at its peak <laughs> yeah wow that's so powerful and what was the reception like when you shared your birth story well, I definitely think I spoke to a lot of people like in like that weren't directly in my life circle. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely there was a lot of people that I've spoken to since then that I maybe met at the park or just around in mother's groups, um, getting to share all that knowledge. Yeah, um, that's something I'm really passionate about is sharing knowledge around, I guess, the misconceptions and the outdated advice that's given. Um um, it's definitely something I want to go on, like, further on to do later on when the kids are much bigger, mm-hmm. <laughs> potentially doula and thinking. Oh, cool. I love that. Um, but, yeah, I definitely did speak to a lot of women who kind of, like, clicked and they were kind of like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> it inspires you. It, yeah, it really is. I think um, that's why we're all here to have these beautiful experiences to help everyone else. Yeah, I love that. And so did your cycle return? Yes, straight away. It did, okay. So within, um, it was eight weeks postpartum. So I wow. bled kind of for six weeks and then, yeah, I was spotted for about a week, like about till seven weeks and then I had one week no bleeding and then eight weeks. It's back on and it was straight away um, in sync because um, I'd always had quite regular cycles um, and I definitely knew I was like, I'm not going back on contraception um, you know, we'll just be really aware. Um, and because I was like ovulating at the same day every month, it was really easy to tell. And then I just had one day that I got the days wrong. <laughs> I was like, no, wow. it's okay. I'm not ovulating. But then I checked, like, oh, actually, I am. Oops. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> and, Never trust that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then here he is. Yeah. And so take us through some of the fears that came up when you found out that you were pregnant while, you know, mothering an eight-month-old. I definitely had to process her. Um, at the time, Jared was working um, a lot. He was working about 50 minutes drive away from us in Coffs Harbour. So he was leaving the house about 7 in the morning and not returning to about 6.45 at night. And he went back to work. He had just had the two weeks dad leave. Um, and at that point, uh, the shop that he was working at had reopened and he was back at work. So um, that was really hard. So Charlotte and I had definitely built this strong bond. But I also, um, kind of coming through birth and all these things, I recognised a lot of traumas in myself, maybe about four or five months into Charlotte's life. Um, but at the start I had this, like, I have to do everything. Like, it's on me. Like, it's my responsibility. Like, this kind of having to prove that I can do it. Um, and I couldn't accept help. I would like Jared would try and help me and I'm like, no, 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 like it's fine. Like I can do it. I can do it. Um, but then I eventually kind of realized I was like, oh, actually, no, I do need help. Like, and I had to go through and take a lot of time to like heal that wound of having to feel so independent. Yeah. Um, and Which it so was, many of us have, right? Oh, absolutely. It's in like, it's rooted in 
most most of us, unfortunately. And it was a harsh awakening for our relationship of us learning like, wow, actually maybe we didn't know how to communicate. And so we've both gone and done a lot of work and a lot of like we listened to a lot of podcasts together to kind of help navigate this. Yeah, it's yeah, it's been amazing for us all. Children are our kind of awakeners um, if we're willing to listen. And I think so many people – aren't ready to listen for whatever reason they're just they're not at the stage where they can heal those wounds it's too much for them right now or um but I definitely feel so grateful that I did listen because it's been just amazing connecting with myself and who I am and giving the best to my children um but yeah I guess along that um journey of finding out Xavier was like coming it took Definitely a lot of um, mourning of Charlotte's and I's connection. I was kind of like, oh, my God, like she's so tiny still. I mean, we do, like she's just attached to me all the time. Um, It took probably about until 25 weeks pregnancy, um, I guess, to find some peace. And I was also convinced, so we did find out Xavier's gender. um, I was convinced that he was a girl. (laughs) And... I was like, I'm going to be a girl mom, like this is it. And I kind of like wasn't even, it wasn't even a possibility that he was a boy, but he was a boy, (laughs) which that also took me a little while to process. But then now like that divine, I guess, intuition and the the way that everything works, I was like, okay, I know why he's a boy because I can raise now a really beautifully well-connected little man that can grow up and, you know, shed a lot of light and, you know, enlighten a beautiful, whoever his partner is and shed light into the world mm. because I feel like we need so many more, um, you know, well-connected men in this world because it's such a beautiful thing, the feminicity and masculinity in relationships. Mm. Um, but it it was, yeah, it was definitely overwhelming yeah. at the start. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what was that pregnancy like for you being a first-time mama with an eight-month-old and also, you know, breastfeeding as well? Yeah, so I breastfed all the way through. Um, I never lost my milk. Amazing. Um, it just severely reduced in the third trimester. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was – I never got – I've heard of mothers getting, like, aversions to their child, like, feeding and they'd feel like they just couldn't do it anymore I never got that so I feel very lucky the pregnancy itself was a perfect pregnancy but um at the 20-week scan Xavier's gallbladder had filled with bile duct early and in the scan they freaked out they're like oh my god it could be a cyst it could be like I don't know all these things so they they sent me on like a wild goose chase for about 10 weeks or no up until about 35 weeks pregnant I had to get so many scans because being a low-risk hospital, I birthed at the same place. So kind of like, well, you, we need to make sure. Like, And they were trying to do a lot of fear-mongering and I had done so much research and I had to be really assertive with the doctor who I had to see um, at the hospital. And uh, it, it was a lot, like it was a lot of, for myself, having to stand up and like be assertive. That, that was a massive kind of like opportunity to grow I guess but also um just having to go through the whole thing was really stressful because they were just so convinced that it was something was wrong but we eventually had to go to Newcastle at John Hunter and they're like no like this is normal the baby's absolutely perfectly fine um like it's all good so that was about 30 weeks and I was like okay I can relax now and just enjoy this pregnancy because i I wanted such minimal intervention. I wanted to be, you know, just a very, like, hands-off pregnancy and labour, but um, just didn't happen that way in the pregnancy. And then they were kind of like, oh, but we noticed that he's a little bit small, so we need to just check his growth. So then they wanted me to do two more scans, which was really, really frustrating um, because I had to kind of, like, choose. It was like, well, I've put in all this effort to birth at this place that I want to birth at or you can birth at a place that, um, you know, just doesn't align with me. I didn't like it there at all. Um, And then free birth actually crossed my mind, Um, but it just it kind of didn't. um, We kind of thought about it and talked about it. We thought "Mm, maybe not because I just had this feeling 
that something was going to happen in Stevie's birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, so we kind of was like, oh, we'll, we'll just we'll just get the scans. And they were eventually like, oh, no, it's all good. And I kind of had multiple times of talks with the doctor. I was like, look, like, and I was kind of presenting all my evidence. And she eventually backed down. I was like, okay. Um, but, like, if, any, if there's any sign of anything, then we will need another scan. So I think about 35 weeks, I was like, okay, yes, you're birthing at Maxville. Um, which was really relieving and then just having I just got those last kind of few weeks to really mentally prepare myself for being potentially overdue and all these things which um, I was overdue again but I actually am not convinced that that were the dates were right because he came out absolutely covered in thick 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 vernix Um, and, you know, as they say, that is often a sign of, like, you know, earlier babies, but I guess some, every baby is different too. Some babies do come out full term, um, with them or with the thick vernix, but I guess, you know, we won't know ever, but I also think because they, they picked up that he was smaller on the scans, like maybe he was just two weeks behind his due date and the doctor didn't really want to entertain that thought when I brought it. To, to her she was kind of oh no like that can't happen <laughs> but I had also from about 32 weeks I'd noticed like a lot of um early labor signs like like the cramping a lot of menstrual cramps um a lot of Braxton Hicks and I was kind of like oh like he's going to go early this time <laughs> like you know I guess based off the date that we had um and uh just kind of going through that so it was pretty much from 32 weeks to 41 weeks, a lot of cramps, a lot of mucus. Um, and then about 38 weeks, I'd noticed that I got um, diastasis recti, which was um, definitely like it became quite uncomfortable and I could really see it. Right. So that was like I'd get Braxton Hicks and I could see like a dent in, in my tummy. Um, but luckily it didn't cause too much pain. Like it was just a bit like uncomfortable, um, you know, when I'd get Braxton Hicks because it just felt really weird because um, I definitely I got a lot of Braxton Hicks for like a month before labour. Like they kind of got very, very intense. I was kind of like, oh, maybe something, but no. <laughs> and then I did, I got another stretch and switch, which is something I swore to myself. I was like, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, but... Then it was kind of like 41, I think I was about 40 and 3. I was kind of like, okay, maybe we'll just do one just to see and then we'll just leave it and, like, the rest will just, like, it'll play out how it's meant to play out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it actually really brought on labour. Like, even though he was all in the right positions, everything was kind of ready. I then also got um, acupressure points put in to like all the acupressure points so it wasn't like acupuncture it was like the little like it's a little sticker with like a little ball thingy and you leave it in for a few days so and then about a day and a half later that uh, I don't know if it actually bought on labor but it definitely helped um kind of in labor like I would press the points and I could feel um I could feel it yeah just kind of working but I um, went into labour on a was it a Friday night. So actually, my partner Jared he had done an interview that Friday morning to get a job um, closer to home at Nambucca. and so yeah, he he did the interview in that night. I went into labour, and the whole pregnancy I was like, or that afternoon actually, I went into labour, and the whole pregnancy I was like, no, I'll probably go into labour in the really early morning again because that's when you're sleeping and that's when the melatonin is the highest and you're the most relaxed and. And, um, but about 4 p.m., I noticed a massive kind of, oh, not a, like just a very intense Braxton hick. And I was kind of like, oh, that feels a little bit different. Um, and at this point, Charlotte was still awake and we were just going through the ebbs and flows of dinner and afternoon routine. Um, and I was rocking her to sleep. Um, and I kind of, because I'd sit on the side of the bed and kind of rock her and pat her back. And the sitting down, like I could feel him so engaged and I was kind of noticing a lot of tightenings a little break a lot of tightenings I was kind of like oh maybe it could be something but it didn't really click yet and I kind of put Charlotte down to sleep 
Um, Jared came home and we kind of chatted for a bit and then he went out to the gym and I was like, okay, I'm just going to have an early night. But I actually, I just stayed up in bed watching people give birth to their babies, <laughs> crying like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. Um, and then it was about 8.30 p.m., 9, I kind of got up. I was like, okay, I'm actually really uncomfortable now. And I went and I um, put a stool under the toilet and I just kind of sat like on the toilet because I know that's a really great um, position to help with like disengagement and I started to I was like okay these are definitely contractions mm-hmm. and I messaged Jared I was kind of like oh like maybe this is it like maybe labor's here because like we were kind of like didn't we kind of didn't think it was close at all we were kind of like well so much has been happening and it's not come like it could still be another week and then um, so my mum was going to come and be with Charlotte. So it's the first time we'd ever been away from each other um, as I've stayed at home um, and will continue to do um, just to be their mum. And um, we kind of like, oh, well, like, do we contact mum? It's like 9.30 at this point. Like what do we do? Because um, I think mum also had like an event on or something was happening that day so I was kind of like oh like I need to give her some notice so I actually took me like two hours to get in contact with her because she'd actually taken she'd been like I think she was having like night sweats or something had happened and she was having trouble sleeping so she took like a sleeping pill (laughs) it took me two hours to for her to pick up the phone and we're like freaking out we're like oh my god like we don't want to involve anyone else like this is who Charlotte's most comfortable with like what do we do but she eventually picked up after I called her like a hundred times, <laughs> oh, which was, that was a little bit stressful. Yeah. And I was, but once we kind of got in contact with her, um, I was doing like so many, because I had spent all of Xavier's pregnancy researching, um, listening to podcasts, um, like just giving, like pretty much filling my brain with every single statistic and like every single position in birth and how to help babies in different positions and so I kind of like my brain was like I was like I am prepared I am ready so I was just doing a lot of ball work like my meditation was on a lot of breathing like breathing through connecting with myself like um just really getting into my little zone and then um, the stress of kind of trying to get sorted that out, got back in my zone. But then by the time, because mum's only about 15 minutes away from us, by the time she got here, that also kind of stopped labour. It's oh. kind of like someone coming into my space. Right. Yeah, like it slowed it down a lot. And I was kind of like freaked out. I was like, oh, my God, it stopped. And at this point, I just contacted my midwife and she lives um, about – 30 minutes away from the hospital and she'd like she'd gotten there and I was like oh my god it stopped and she's come all this way like it's the middle of the night like oh my god (laughs) but um once we got in the car and I put my meditation back on and I did some breathing and like just was doing a lot of birth like affirmations because I had my affirmations that I'd like written and I was just like reciting them in my head um and it started to kind of pick up again but um, I definitely think I could have labored at home throughout the rest of the night. But I, we have like a very small house and I was terrified that Charlotte was going to wake up. And if she woke up and I needed to leave, it was kind of going to be like game over. She like would be so overwhelmed. Um, and we did consider her being in the birth space, like the midwives were on board for that. But being that she was only like... 17 and a half months at the time uh it just I think she was not going to be under like she wasn't going to be able to understand um like that I was I'm not going to be able to hold her and connect with her um and even now like that four and a half months later we talk to her about birth and all the things and she understands it but like four months ago or she understands I guess to a degree (laughs) but four months ago like she definitely didn't and um so we went into the hospital, I guess, maybe five, six hours earlier than we needed to. Um, and I, but it was really beautiful because my midwife, who was the one that kind of came in with Xavier, she kind of knew exactly what I wanted. Like 
hands off. Um, she's just there as an emotional support, like guiding me through it, like support for Jared. Like, um, so it was, yeah, it was really beautiful. Like she'd filled up the birth tub for me. She'd gotten like all these mats out for me to do like some, you know, work on the floor and the showers, everything was ready. And we had clary sage burning in the diffuser and there was like all these candles and fairy lights. And that's something I didn't, they didn't really do at Charlotte's birth. And it was really, really beautiful, like walking in. And I just felt this sudden like ease yeah. and comfort. I was like, oh, it's so beautiful here. Um, so we just kind of, yeah, we went through laboring through the night and it was definitely a bit rough. Um, it was a bit rough for Jared too, like, it was, you know, he kind of was trying to get a little bit of sleep so he could kind of be present with me. Um, but we got, we got through until about, I think it was 6.30 and then that's when it started to really get quite intense. But his face was engaged, so not the crown of his head. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a little bit like posterior, so like his head was like tilted back. Um and so I had to do a lot of work. I had to do – I did a lot of um, squatting right down into, I guess, into a contraction. I'd squat down and someone would hold, like, my wrists. Um, and I do – like, I did so many different positions to help him um, kind of turn around. And eventually I was, like, very overwhelmed at kind of it taking – being, like, you know, almost 16 hours. I was kind of like, okay – I didn't think it was going to take this long. Like I haven't been, like I've never, like how is Charlotte? Like I was freaking out and I did, I didn't want to know how she was in labor because on the chance that she wasn't okay, um, I wasn't, I, I think I would have spiraled. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so I, I, she was actually absolutely, she did amazing, but I didn't want to know because, mm. you know, it, yeah. But um it got to the point where I was kind of like, Jen was like, look, we can do a cervical exam because I didn't get any. I was like, I don't want any cervical exams this time um, unless absolutely necessary. And Jen was kind of like, well, this is something that we can do um, just to check, you know, his positioning. It might just help everything, like help give us a bit of clarity on where you're at and, you know, what we can do. So I, I kind of it took a few minutes. I thought about it and because um, I felt really safe with jam I felt safe so I was like okay let's let's do it um let's like see what's happening and because my waters hadn't broken um and so yeah we um she went through and she did the exam and it was very very uncomfortable which is why I didn't want them this time because with Charlotte as well I absolutely felt like violated and uncomfortable and and in pain and it made the contractions extremely painful but it was kind of what we like I needed because we did confirm that his face was engaged and um everything was like he was just a little bit stuck (laughs) so but about 30 seconds after I turned over I was in the water when she did the exam and I turned over and she um was able she irritated the waters a bit and they broke which was a really weird feeling because with Charlotte they broke when I was pushing her head when the head crowned. Um, um, but, yeah, I stood up and there was just like this massive gush. <laughs> it was the most – I felt so relieved. I was like, oh, my God, that felt so good. Um, and then within 20 minutes that was enough for him to come down. Right. And did was he still face first at that point or – no, so he ended up the waters breaking. It's like must have just been a bit of pressure holding his head up, and he was able to put his head down. So it was very, it was intense. Mm. Um, those last twenty minutes, those last contractions, it was intense. Um, and I didn't go into that beautiful euphoric world because the whole time I was just like half with Charlotte, thinking every like I'd look up at the clock. I'm like, oh, like she normally does this at this time. Like oh my god, like constantly she was in my mind. And, um, so it was, yeah, it was like just very different. Um, and it was really, it was still very beautiful. It was just a different variation and I had to work harder and I had to be so strong in myself, but I'm so lucky. I had these amazing midwives that had another midwife come in, um, probably three or four hours before I actually delivered Xavier and she was a home birth midwife. 
and um, as well. So she kind of did a bit of both. And um, Jen was taking um, a nap because she'd been up with us all night long. So she went and took an hour sleep. And um, this beautiful midwife, Maddie, came in and she was kind of like giving me all these beautiful affirmations. Um, like, you know, your, your baby knows exactly what he's doing. Like he knows the inside of you better than you. And like this is the journey that you need and all these things. And really helping me work through it. Um, which is, you know, what we're supposed to have with our midwives. I think yeah. nowadays we turn so so much towards like, yeah, medical, medical, like because it's so much easier than a midwife spending that 10 minutes of connecting. It's so much easier to be like, oh, we'll just put in an epidural when the woman might not even need it. She just needs that connection, those affirmations and the grounding within herself. Yeah, so true. But that was really, really helpful. I did. I, I cried a lot. A lot of tears. I think it was a just a massive healing journey to let go of so many things. Um, but it was just it was very it was really amazing. And then we, as as I guess the, uh, the time approached when he was coming down, I could really feel it, and my hips were in so much pain. So um, it kind of everyone was tag teaming on putting pressure on my hips. Um, to really just help relieve because I was just it was excruciating at that point. Um, I definitely had a lot of issues throughout the whole labor, like with my hips just getting really, really sore. And I kind of knew that was going to happen because in pregnancy, um, carrying Charlotte all the time and like just I, I knew like I had this feeling. It's like they're going to be an issue, <laughs> yeah. but um, and then I think. I kind of like I remember having this massive contraction that was it was massive it was probably one of the biggest ones of the whole labor and then um I kind of it went a bit blurry um Jem kind of came over and helped me through it and then and then um she kind of walked off and I could hear them talking like the doctor because like they like I think they write all the notes down and the doctor reviews it even though they're not there and I could kind of hear them talking it had been it was about 18 hours at this point and they were kind of like oh like you know we're going to need to do something to hurry it up otherwise the doctors are going to um you know want her to transfer um because I think they thought you know maybe something would go wrong or he wasn't going to come down with how he was engaged but luckily kind of when they were talking I had the urge to push I was like okay I know this I know what this feels like he's there and he kind of just came out on his own and then I kind of bared down and I'd done a lot of affirmations to myself of when he comes when he crowns when you feel that ring of fire you're going to breathe through it you're going to like it's going to be slow you're going to be able to do this and he did when he started to crown I definitely was very conscious but I did also have this side side thought of oh my god like I just want him out now mm. and but I, I did I've had to bring myself back I was like no like breathe breathe like you can do this and he yeah he crowned but the ring of fire was not as intense um, and I was in the water again but I had like kind of put myself in a position and it was intuitive it was a position I never thought I would have gone into I, there was a little stool a little like kind of a little shallow part of the bath and I sat on it intuitively um maybe just like that's what he needed to help come down um and after about two minutes of sitting on it that's when I felt the urge and then yeah he just flew out it was like two minutes altogether of pushing it was that fetal ejection um once he crowned he just his body like he shot out and because I was so present the whole labor I um kind of I, like I picked him up instantly like there's photos of me delivering Xavier which I wanted it to be videoed but photos are just as amazing I didn't really get many with Charlotte but um yeah like I'm onto it straight away I picked him up I remember it clear as day um and then yeah we just he took a minute to cry like he was kind of just a bit his eyes were a bit closed he was kind of just like he was bright like I could tell that he was okay but like he took a minute, like he was a bit, he's a bit calmer, like whereas Charlotte, she was instant screaming. <laughs> she was like, I'm here. Mm -hmm. She was awake. Like everyone was like, oh, wow, she's an aware baby. And I notice that now in her personality, she's so advanced and developed. Whereas Xavier's definitely a little bit slower, <laughs> or not slower, but just a little bit more I chill. Know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he definitely took a minute and then he started crying and I was kind of like, oh, my God, thank God, like I did it, like I was in shock. But then 
about five minutes after we're still in the bath I felt another pop and I was like oh that's really weird like that felt like my water's breaking because that's what it felt like with Charlotte in the water like that's what it felt like when my water's broke and then like the bath just went red and it was gushing blood and I hemorrhaged and lost about two liters just because when he came down he nicked an artery because his little nails were so long and um it was gushing out so fast it was terrifying I was kind of like um why isn't it stopping (laughs) because with Charlotte I you know lost a really normal amount and he was kind of like I felt it bleeding but it wasn't too bad but it was gushing out like I I stood up um they were kind of like okay well we need to get you on the bed and we can assess it and it was just it wouldn't stop like it was very intense um and they were kind of like it was a full-on emergency scenario, but luckily because it's such a small team, I knew everyone and it was very, like, they were very, like, okay, like, we're going to get through this, like, you're safe, like, we're here to support you. But they're, like, you know, we need to kind of administer the um, the Pitocin to help this placenta release. It's like, no, like, I don't want it. Like, that's not part of my plan. And they're, like, like, this is emergency if you don't have it. Like, I would have died if yeah. we didn't act on it. Like, even though my placenta had pretty much come away, they were kind of like, this needs to be very fast mm. because you're losing blood, like, so much every second. And it was really, really overwhelming because I had this beautiful third-stage physiological plan. Like, I was going to be in the bath. I was going to deliver the placenta on my own. I was just going to stay in the bath and, like, just relax. But it didn't happen that way. And I was, I, I wanted to cut the cord after – him being attached to it for like you know four hours like making sure everything was complete and utterly out out of the cord but I think you only got six minutes which is still better that's than awesome. nothing yeah that's really um good. and then uh Jared cut the cord again so he cut Charlotte's but I couldn't I was laying down and I couldn't reach it um and I also didn't want any kind of vaginal exams or touching right after delivery because I had that with Charlotte and it was excruciatingly painful um, but because I was bleeding so much, so kind of like we need to like just see what's going on, where if we can see the source of the bleed or not. Um, and I had a tiny little grazing just on my right labia, tiny, tiny, tiny grazing just, and, um, that was it. I didn't tear, which I was like, yes, I did that. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, the blood was just gush- gushing out like vaginally and it was, yeah, just, kind of it was what it was and I had then another two shots of the Pitocin and then I was linked up to um like IV fluids with just you know all different things trying to help stop the bleeding um and it was lucky they stopped it and um like I was okay um which was very lucky um, and they were very fast about it like they, 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 they knew what they were doing and I felt very safe the whole time but it was definitely it was really like overwhelming because I didn't it wasn't even a thought in my mind but the whole pregnancy I had this tingle I was like I just feel like something maybe might just not go how I want and I couldn't kind of figure out what it was um yeah after they stopped it it definitely it took me a minute to kind of catch up with what was happening like I didn't have that um that high that I got with Charlotte because I was like in shock, <laughs> I guess, of of the loss of blood. Yeah, yeah, I, I got quite pale, um, but I had like a lot of food and and I was and I came like I came back very fast and my blood sugar was all okay very fast. It's like intuitively when I was bleeding, I was kind of like, okay, this is not what I wanted, but I know I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, to me that sounds like there was a genuine need for medical interventions, right? Yeah. It wasn't just a matter of them trying to, you know, rush the process along, which we know happens quite often. Absolutely. I definitely along my journey of research upon um, birth and the medical system and all the things like there is, we do have this heavy indoctrination of, you know, you go to the medical system and medical system and they save us kind of thing going on. But I do believe that we should be having, you know, we should be focusing on sharing um, our natural, innate kind of wisdom of how to birth and making that the new normal. But there is a small time and place where we actually do need the medical system, where it does save lives. And it's in a beautiful, epic intervention only when necessary. But the issue is it's become normalised. 
to in they create the problem and sell the solution yeah. kind of situation. And I feel so lucky that I was so educated. Like I knew what I was doing. All my midwives knew exactly what I wanted. Like they knew that I wasn't going to push over and that I, like, I knew what I was talking about. So anything that they could say, if it was going to be wrong, like I was going to rebuttal it and be like, well, actually no. Yeah. So I like, I felt very safe and um, it was the best outcome to the situation. Um and I still have the placenta. It's in the freezer, which we've been saying we're going to bury it every week. We're like, oh, we'll do it this week. We'll do it this weekend. <laughs> Just as happened. But, um, yeah, it was definitely a little bit intense. But Yeah, of course. It's so interesting that you had that intuition early on that you thought you kind of knew, didn't you, that you would need a little bit more help? Yeah, I, yeah when I was thinking of like a home birth or a free birth, I kind of thought – like, even if we did have a home birth, though, um, Maddie, the home birth midwife, she's like, I deal with this stuff all the time yeah. and we can stop it. But, um, yeah, I had this feeling. I was kind of like, I think I maybe just it's not right for me because um, they're such beautiful, epic births. But, you know, in that instance, it probably would have been not a positive outcome for me. Yeah. Um, but it's something that I like, yeah, listening to that intuition, like I think – as mothers, like, we know if something's wrong with our babies, if something is wrong, like, we know and that's where we've got to listen to our intuitions when we're going in to our births and parenting as well. Mm. I think the way that we birth also paves the way that we parent and in some cases that's not always true but I think a lot of cases if more people experience positive birth, they will more likely go into parenting Um with a bit more of an open mind or an understanding of connection because that oxytocin has released and they've this baby and the mother is bonded. Um, but when there's that delayed bonding, that's when sometimes people kind of go into parent, uh, into parenting with postnatal depression and all these things. Yeah. And what about your iron levels? How have you tried to combat the blood loss? Yeah. So I was taking, um, I took, um, Multifar, which is like a liquid iron, um, and I was taking it like twice a day. Um, and when they did my bloods postpartum, they actually said that I was like, I don't know, my hemoglobin was like two, uh, like two points over. Um, I guess what it would be to be classes to needed transfusion. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though like if I really wanted one, I could have pushed for it, but I was kind of like, well, I don't really want to I don't really like needles and I didn't really want to spend extra time in the hospital um did it take you a bit to recover from that because I know from a friend's experience after blood loss it can yeah it definitely took a lot longer it took probably a month to come back to life with Charlotte I, I bounced back to life straight away and I had like I just was kind of full of oxytocin and energy and I was like oh my god which um I could didn't rest how I should have probably yeah. but um with Xavier yeah it took me a lot longer I felt weak um walking up the street was hard getting out of bed was hard having a shower was hard like for at least a solid week every single muscle was like just empty from how hard I worked in labor mm. like um just constantly in different positions like every single muscle I worked for you know at least six hours straight um and it was yeah I just felt so weak um but I had with uh, Xavier had amazing people do like a meal train where we had some meals cooked for us um and I definitely tried to prioritize more rest as much as you can with a toddler who is completely utterly attached to you (laughs) um because I'm still the only person who can get her to sleep right so that was a little tricky navigating that postpartum with that attachment, but um, it's been really beautiful now. Charlotte knows that she can rely more on Jared and they've built a really beautiful relationship, stronger than before. And um, But, yeah, it took a lot longer to recover, but prioritising, like, uh, lots of, you know, healthy bone broths and stews and all good foods that can help nourish me and recover me Mm -hmm. um which was yeah it was really nice having that information I guess and knowledge to do it this time and is that your family complete now or 
Yes, yep. we are done now. <laughs> we were planning to either have two or three, but um, we were going to wait until Xavier was maybe uh, – oh, sorry, Charlotte was maybe um, like 14, 15 months old to try for another one. Mm-hmm. Um, but because they ended up being so close together, we were like, okay, let's just let's just um, you know parent these ones the best that we can, connect with them the best that we can, and I think Jared will probably get the vasectomy at some point this year. <laughs> um, I'm definitely really really nervous, um, kind of being intimate again. I'm like terrified. <laughs> Um, to accidentally fall pregnant, but I haven't actually received um, my period yet. Um, so that's something I was kind of like, oh, well, it'll probably come back straight away. But I'm wondering if just because I lost so much blood and everything that, um, yeah, it, it's just, yeah, just a bit out of sync. Um, and I think like my body's just healing and it's taken me a lot of time to do a lot of emotional debrief around the kind of the end of the birth um probably only recently in the last couple of weeks I've done a lot of sitting with the feelings that I felt and holding space for my feelings and sometimes I would just cry and let it all out um but yeah it's something that takes time regardless of what your birth is to debrief Mm. I think um because it's such a massive event and then when you're thrown into the you know the thick of motherhood um especially for a first-time mother you're kind of like, oh, my God, what's happened? Like, I have no time. I can't do anything. This baby needs me so much. But I feel I definitely have a lot of ambitions um, coming now, I guess, into the future. Um, I've done a lot of aware parenting um, and I want to help parents also learn how to navigate those first early years, especially those first early months. There's so much, I think, talk about put your baby down and swaddle them and leave them and um you know all these things and it's kind of like well biologically that's not how it works (laughs) and we thrive off of connection and and we're kind of told like if we connect with them we're creating bad habits and we feed them to sleep and it's all these things but when you actually look at our biology and our kind of fundamental needs that's completely working against it like they need connection and warm and love and and rocking and rhythm because the rocking and the rhythm it helps you know with their brain and everything and the and the demand feeding is what makes a mother's milk supply especially for the first three months so I would love to go on to help parents navigate that as well um and help you know kind of as a doula especially help with the postpartum aspects of it we could never um we didn't have the funds for like a postpartum doula but it's something that I think is absolutely amazing yeah absolutely totally agree so looking at your entire journey what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there I would definitely say um do your own research especially as a first-time mum or as a first-time pregnant woman I I didn't I guess I didn't think that I could research because what they were telling me is, you know, they, they know everything, I guess, you know. Um, and so just research. There's so much, like this podcast and there's so many resources out there that can provide so much um, amazing evidence and there's so many books and there's so many things. Um, like you're obviously aware with um, The Great Birth Rebellion and that's yes. an amazing podcast that like they are – inspirational like if I could to any woman like listen to them because they are going to give you all of the statistics um you know if you you don't have the time to read a book or something you put the money in the car and they definitely ignited such a spark I was like oh my god like this is my life calling (laughs) doing stuff like this um but definitely just research and like take the time to connect and learn about you and your partner's communication Um, and your childhood wounds and get really intimate with them and heal it and feel the pain and overcome it because it's going to work wonders when you have a toddler and a teenager who triggers you and all these things like just connect with yourself and your intuition love that what an incredible journey you've had Steph thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing it with us thank you so much for having me I hope this inspires any woman out there to you know be strong and autonomous (laughs) 
That brings us to the end of today's show. What a beautiful journey Steph has had. A testament to the power of birth and the profound awakening that occurs when a mother emerges from that experience. One particular moment Steph shared that I loved so much was the affirmations she received from her midwife acknowledging her true power. In that pivotal moment, the midwife gave Steph all she needed through the simple act of gentle encouragement. Again, this serves as a reminder of how influential words can be and the importance of being mindful when choosing your birth space and support team as they play a vital role in shaping your journey. If you love PBA, we would be forever grateful if you could rate and review us on your podcast platform. This support will help us to reach more women who need it and enable us to bring you more inspiring content each week. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you all next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia.